Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Hey, again, like my buddy Ramiro said, we just want to welcome you. We want to welcome you to Restoration Church, a place where you can call home, a place where you can be you, a place where you can just explore your faith. Um, and again, I just want to welcome you if you're here in person, whether it's your very first time, second time, or you've just been here since day one. I also want to welcome you guys that are watching online through YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we are so glad that you're tuning in here uh, with us today. And so church, uh, again, if you've uh, been with us for a while, we've been going through the, the Gospel of Mark section by section. If this is your first time or second time here, third time, whatever, you're maybe you're kind of new here. Uh, that's what we're doing. We're kind of going through the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark? chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 verses 14 through 23 today. We're going to be looking at those verses. If you remember from last week, um, we covered um, Jesus really kind of rebuking the religious leaders of the day, right? We, he rebuked the religious leaders of the day because they were elevating their uh, tradition over the word of God. They were elevating their opinions and preferences over the word of God. And so really the religious leaders had an issue um, with Jesus's disciples, if you remember, uh, not washing their hands. And so they were, they were very focused on making sure that they would keep the purity laws, the, the ceremonial purity laws. But again, they were elevating these extra biblical rules and preferences above the word of God. And so if you remember last week, Jesus addressed not the impurity and purity issue, but he addressed the elevation of the tradition over the word of God. But today, Jesus is going to really address the issue of defilement. Jesus is going to address the purity and impurity issue now that the religious leaders had an issue with. So if you have your Bibles, let me read that in its entirety. Verse 14, it says this, and he called the people to him again, and he said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. Verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, uh, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slide, sl slide, slander, pride. It was like slide. Uh, it was like slander and pride. I just made a new word. I said slide. Come on, somebody. That's Slander and pride slide. You never heard of that one. That's the Johnny Martinez translation. <laughs> oh, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures, God. And this is, a, as we can see, a challenging text. But it's in your word and we have to wrestle with it and we have to deal with it. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us today powerfully, 
through your spirit. God, convict us, challenge us. God, we want to be people who honor you with our lives. And the way we do that is honoring you um, with our hearts as well. And so God, speak to us through the power of your spirit. God, we want to be more and more like you. We don't simply want to come to church to check off a box. But we want to come to church to sit under the preaching of your word to be more like you, to grow in holiness, to grow in our sanctification, God. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I want to ask you a question. What is your biggest pet peeve? Like, what is your biggest pet peeve? Like, what's your, that one thing, there's maybe a few things that really just trigger you uh, when, when, when it happens. Maybe for some of you guys, some of the, the biggest uh, pet peeve, your, your greatest and biggest pet peeve is uh, uh, when people chew loud. Anyone, anyone just kind of, man, I, when people, last back there has both hands up, like both hands up. He's like, come on, that's my biggest pet peeve. Um, what about being late? being late, people who are always late. Uh, maybe what about uh, people who, who interrupt you, like who interrupt you when you're having a conversation with you? You have to see a few hands up there. I hope you're not talking about me because I do that all the time. Uh, what about talking during a movie? Like talk, I mean, people who talk and, and talk during a movie or use their cell phones during a movie. All right, here's a good one. What about um, slow or bad drivers? Come on. I know it. I know I know there's some of you, that's just your, your, your uh, pet peeve. Uh, how about this, turning without a signal? Turning without signaling. I mean, come on. Okay, you do not want to drive behind me then because I do that all the time, all the time. Uh, what about standing too close, like, like not giving your like, personal space? You're like, bro, back up, like back up, you know? Um, what about uh, leaving the toilet seat up? Come on, biggest pet peeve right there, like. I see some ladies just being like, oh my gosh, help me. I've been praying, Lord, for so long. And, but we, we all have those biggest pet peeves, right? Do you want to know your pastor's biggest pet peeves? Do you want to know? I was going to tell you anyway. So here, 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 I'll give you two. I'll give you two pet peeves of mine. Like just really just they grind my gears, man. Two biggest pet peeves. The first is this. Uh, when I'm out fishing, okay, uh, people think it's a good idea uh, and I'll, I'll just, those of you that are not fishermen, but, you know, I'll go to the lake and so I'll just give you some etiquette. When you're out fishing and people think it's a good idea to pass right in front of your line in their kayaks or boats, and it just tangles up your line, like it just messes up your fishing experience. It just, it just messes up the whole vibe and atmosphere. Like, guys, don't ever do that. Like, it's just a, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. Here's my second biggest pet peeve. I, I just I cringe at this one more than I cringe at uh, the first one. My biggest pet peeve is when one person tells another person, "Follow your heart." Woo! Boy, it just kills me. Just follow your heart. Like if it's in you. Like if you just if you're just feeling it like right here, just follow your heart. Whatever decision you want to do, follow your heart. Follow your heart. And honestly, just do me a favor, church. Don't ever give that advice. Like that is the worst advice you could ever give a person. Is just just follow your heart. Now let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Why is it such a a big pet peeve of mine? And why is it such a bad idea? It just terrible, horrible advice to follow your heart. Why? Well, according to scripture, our hearts 
are not good. According to scripture, our hearts are polluted, corrupt, evil, and deceptive. Let me just take you to the scriptures, right? Genesis chapter six, verse five. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 8, verse 21. The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3. The hearts of the children of men are full of evil. That's why we don't follow our heart. It's evil. It's corrupt. It's deceptive. It's sick, according to the scriptures. And like a heart surgeon, like a true heart surgeon, Jesus today, in today's passage, will diagnose the human heart. And boy, it's a good passage today. And I think it's one that we desperately need. So let's just jump in. Let's just jump in right away. I want you to see a couple of things here in this passage. The first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see the invitation. I want you to see the invitation in verses 14 and 15. It says this, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So Jesus was having this, like right before this, Jesus was having a conversation with the religious leaders, right? And then now he calls the crowd to himself. He invites the crowd into a conversation with him about what truly is impure and um, impure and pure. And so, again, he invites the crowd to, to, to listen as he addresses this topic of impurity. And Jesus here says that nothing outside a person can defile him, can defile a person. It's not the external that defiles a person, Jesus says, but it's what's on the inside. It's the internal. The source of defilement is on the inside and not on the outside. That's what Jesus says, that there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. Remember, the, the, the religious leaders were very uh, particular about if, if they went to a marketplace, right? If the Jewish people went to a marketplace and they bumped elbows or, or touched a Gentile, someone who wasn't Jewish, they were unclean. And so they were focused on these external things. And Jesus is like, hey, it's not the external that, that, that makes you impure. It's what's in your heart. Now, here's the question. Does Jesus then contradict the Old Testament law? Does Jesus then contradict the Old Testament law? Because in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11, um, it really talks about uh, distinguishing between clean and unclean food. So there were commands then uh, from God in the Old Testament uh, for the, the people of Israel to stay away from certain foods. So how do we reconcile then now that Jesus is saying, hey, it's not the outside. It's not what, what, what goes uh, into your body physically that defiles you. So how do we then reconcile that? A couple of thoughts on that. First, I think we need to understand the purpose of the ceremonial purity laws in the Old Testament. 
these ceremonial laws served as like an object lesson, if you will. They were kind of like an object lesson. And so through these laws, God would remind the people, the Jewish people of his holiness and their sinfulness. He would remind the people of what was pure and impure. He would remind the people of what was morally right and morally wrong. He reminded people through these uh, through these laws, through these external laws of what was holy and what was unholy. It was supposed to help the people become aware of the reality of sin and that sin was a barrier to fellowship with God. And so that was the purpose of these ceremonial laws, to remind the people of their, holy, of their sinfulness and the holiness of God. Now, Jesus in this passage then, He essentially declares void the entire mosaic system of clean and unclean foods. When Jesus came in, he came to fulfill the Old Testament purity laws, and therefore nothing anymore, uh, nothing external anymore can make a person impure or defiled. Now, here's the thing I want to mention because this is important. Although God did command the Old Testament people of Israel to distinguish between between clean and unclean foods, these commands have always been commands of the heart. It's always a heart issue, even in the Old Testament. It has always been a heart issue. So what defiled a person in the Old Testament when they ate an unclean food wasn't the food itself. It was the fact that they had disobeyed God. That's, that's the thing. It's not that the food, the, the, the thing that they ate defiled them. It's the fact that disobedience defiled the person. And even in the Old Testament church, true holiness was always a matter of the heart, a right relationship with God by faith. And just like now, obedience to the ceremonial laws in the Old Testament was an evidence of their faith in the coming Messiah. It was evidence that they truly had a love for God. As in the New Testament, the evidence that we are truly saved and that our heart has been truly transformed is that we produce fruit. There's evidence in that too. So no matter what, it's always been a heart issue, even in the Old Testament. So Jesus invites the people to this conversation about impurity and purity. The second thing I want you to see here is the interpretation the interpretation. Verse 17, it says, And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled, thus he declared all foods clean. So Jesus as he's, uh, he, he has now moved away from the crowds and is with his disciples. So he explained that it's not the external things that makes a person defile. He explained it to the crowds. Now he moves over privately with his disciples. And his disciples asked Jesus to explain the parable. Now here's the thing. That wasn't even a parable. It was a straightforward uh, statement. But, he, but here's why I think the, the disciples were so um, just shocked. I mean, what Jesus just said was revolutionary for a first century Jewish person, for a first century Jewish man. Like, like it, it was revolutionary. 
You see, we got to put ourselves into the, into the shoes of these disciples. You see, these Jewish men had grown up all of their lives under these strict Jewish dietary codes that basically categorize all foods as clean and unclean all of their lives. That's all, of the, that's all they knew. So then Jesus comes along and says, hey, it's no longer the food that you eat that defiles you. Like everything is clean. They're like, hold on, is that a, is that a trick question? Is that a joke? Like, like explain, us, explain to us this parable. They were completely surprised, shocked, revolutionary. Now what's very interesting is that the apostle Peter even after this, remember last week, uh, this is really interesting. Even, even last week, we talked about traditions and the preferences and, and opinions that we have that sometimes we elevate over Scripture and sometimes traditions are hard to break, aren't they? Well, you know, the Apostle Peter, um, we, we see that he had a, a real struggle with his teaching. Why? Because in Acts chapter 10, verse 14, it suggests that that, that passage suggests that Peter, even after this moment here with Jesus, he still kept a kosher lifestyle even after this. So even for the apostle Peter, like this was something very difficult to wrestle with. He continued in this tradition long after this moment here. So we see that in Acts chapter 10, verse 14. And so Jesus then says, hey, it's not what's on the outside that uh, defiles a person. It's on the inside. He says, he says, he says outside cannot defile a person. And he uses this example of food, right? That food goes into a person's mouth, to their stomach, and is expelled out of the body. Nothing external, according to Jesus, can cause internal impurity. Why? Because the food that we eat or the things that we touch outside never enters our heart. It never enters our heart. It never enters the inner man. Now the question is, what is the heart? According to the Bible, what is the heart of man? The heart of man is the control center for one's being. It is the seat of our motives, of our attitudes, of our thinking, of our emotions, of our will, of our loyalties, of our desires. It represents the totality of who we are on the inside. It is who we truly are before God. It's the heart. Jesus says, it's not the outside. One cannot be defiled by what enters a person because it goes straight to the stomach and it goes outside. No more explanation needed. You probably understand about that. So what does defile a person? Let's get a little more specific. What causes a person to be impure? Jesus is going to give us the answer of what defiles a person and some indications, some very specific indications that a person might be defiled. The third thing is the indication. The indication, verse 20 says this, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, and all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Jesus says that defilement and impurity come from within the person, the human heart, the human heart. The religious leaders thought it was external. 
If they could do all of these external things just right, then they could be pure. But Jesus says, nah, it's what's inside. It goes from the inside out. Whatever is inside of you, what kind, whatever kind of heart you have, will eventually come out. You're impure here first. From the inside out type of thing, not an outside in type of thing. There's a, a very famous um, missionary named Hudson Taylor in the 19th century. And one day, uh, Hudson Taylor was preaching and he was trying to teach a spiritual truth on, on, on this subject. And so he filled a glass of water to the brim. And as he was preaching, as, as Hudson Taylor was preaching, he was banging his fist and pounding his fist on the table, on the pulpit. And as he was pounding his fist, water was coming out of the glass. And he told the people this. He says, you will come up against much trouble and difficulties But when you do, remember this, only what's in you will spill out. Only what is in you will spill out. What is in you will come out in your life, in your actions, in who you are. And look what Jesus says. That out of the heart come what? Evil thoughts. He says evil thoughts. If we look at the original language here, it really suggests that evil thoughts is kind of like the umbrella term for what follows next. It's kind of like the topic sentence of what follows next. It's kind of like the overarching category of the 12 sins or the 12 vices that follow. He says evil thoughts produce all of these sinful thoughts and actions. You see, a defiled heart church produces an evil mind, which produces sinful actions. Let me repeat that again. A defiled heart produces an evil mind, which produces evil actions. Let me, let me word it a different way. What controls your heart controls your mind, which controls your actions. Evil thoughts, isn't that interesting? Goes from the heart to your mind to your actions. And what follows are six terms, or or I'm sorry, uh, 12 terms here that come from our defiled heart to our evil thoughts. 12 terms, the first six are in the plural. The the second six are in the singular, in the original language. The first six are sinful actions. The second six are sinful attitudes or character traits. And he says this, out of a defiled heart comes evil thoughts, which produces what? This is what it produces. These are the indications that a person might have a defiled, corrupted, polluted heart. He says this, sexual immorality. The Greek word in the, uh, in the, the, the word in the Greek for sexual immorality is porneia, where we get our word for pornography. So it's a very general term identifying any and all sexual sins contrary to the word of God. So it includes things as, such as premarital sex, 
extramarital sex, and unnatural sexual behavior. It also includes sins such as lust and pornography, which, by the way, let me give you a statistic. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. It's powerful. It's a powerful deal even within believers. It also includes things as incest and bestiality. So anything, right, any sexual sin outside of what God has ordained, a man and a woman in the covenant relationship of marriage for one another. Theft, stealing from one, stealing from another what is not yours. Murder, taking of an innocent life. Adultery, violating the marriage covenant by engaging in sexual behavior mentally or physically with someone you are not married, married to. Coveting is greed. It's a desire for more at the expense or explo- exploitation of another. It's an unsatiable appetite for more. It's just greed. You just want more. You just want more. You're never satisfied. And lastly, wickedness. It's simply evil and malicious behavior. Defiled heart produces evil thoughts, which produce evil actions, sinful actions. The next six are sinful attitudes or character traits in the singular in the original language. The first one is deceit. It's simply dishonesty. Like there's, it's dishonesty. A person is dishonest. They try to take advantage of, of people by portraying to be someone that they're not. They're dishonest. Sensuality, unbridled, shameless living that is lacking in any moral discernment or restraint. There is no moral compass on a person. Essentially, they just live like an animal. They just do whatever feels good. Envy. Envy literally means an evil eye. It's a figure of speech for stinginess. Think about that. A lack of generosity, stinginess, and jealousy for what other people have. It's a lack of generosity and love for one's own possessions and a belief that God is withholding the best from the person. Slander. Speech that belittles or insults God or our fellow man. Pride, arrogance, conceit, an attitude where one thinks of themselves as more important than others. And lastly, foolishness, a lack of prudence and wisdom and good judgment. And essentially what, what this is saying is like, hey, this person who's foolish makes his stupid choices. They're, they're, they, they're, they don't make good, wise decisions. And most importantly, there's an arrogant rejection in his heart, especially of God. As the Bible says that the fool says in his heart that there is no God. So a defiled heart produces evil thoughts, which produces evil actions. These actions and attitudes are characteristics and evidence of a corrupted, polluted, and defiled heart. If I could summarize Jesus' message here, I'd put it this way. That our greatest problem is not what's around us, but in us. That our greatest problem in this life is not what's around us, but it's right here. It's our heart. It's our heart. Now, what does this mean? First, I want to talk to you 
if you don't know Jesus. Here's the thing. You need a heart transplant. If you don't know Christ, you need to get a new heart. The only solution for a corrupt and defiled heart is regeneration. Is regeneration. What does regeneration mean? To be born again. To be born again. It's the new birth. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of granting spiritual life to a defiled and dead sinner. That is the only solution. That is the only solution to our greatest problem. It's a work of a God. You see, I see a lot of people try to do all of the externals right, to check off the box, to try to be a better person, to try to be a moral person with their own strength and their own ability. That's just impossible. It's futile. Only God can transform your heart. Only God can change your heart. And one must be born again. One must be regenerated. One must be brought from the dead into life. Ezekiel chapter 36. Again, I'm going to give you scripture for this. 36, 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and, be, and to be careful to obey my rules. This is the Old Testament prophesying about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a person. John chapter three, verse three, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You can't change your own heart. Just like physically, you can't perform heart surgery on yourself. You can't perform spiritual heart surgery on yourself either. You must be born again. Truly born again, a new birth. I love what Steve Lawson says about this. He says, the new birth is not a mere makeover, but a takeover of your life. The new birth is not merely a mere makeover. It just doesn't fix up the externals, but a complete takeover of your life. It's a complete surrender to the lordship of Christ. It's a complete surrender to the Holy Spirit in your life to pursue holiness and godliness. Jesus in this passage is setting the bar high. And today, guess what? So am I. Because I'm so tired of Christianity setting the bar low for everybody. Just to keep people entertained, just to keep people comfortable. And we wonder why sometimes we look just like the world. No, enough's enough. Jesus set the bar high and so do we. Pursue holiness, pursue godliness. Here is why. Because without regeneration, without being born again, you cannot see God. 
You can't. You can't. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. For what? For they shall see God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You can't have eternal life. You can't have a relationship with God. You can't find salvation with a polluted, defiled heart. You must be born again. Now, listen closely. This is so important. If your life is characterized and is marked by habitual, continual, unrepentant sin, such as that, and by the way, that's not the only list in the New Testament. There's other lists in the New Testament like that of vices. But if your life is categorized by habitual, continual, unrepentant sin, that means you have a defiled heart. It does. And if you have a defiled heart, you have a damned heart. I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. Say it because I love and care about you. You have a damned heart. You were never truly saved. You were never truly regenerated. You were never truly born again. Because someone who is truly saved, someone who is truly regenerated, will show evidence. Not that type of indication and evidence, but it will show evidence of a life transformed by God. Are you saved? Do you truly know you are? Not by what you think, by what's in here and what spills out of your life. That gives evidence if you truly are or not. How do you become saved? You repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. It's free. It's free. It's a free gift from God. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. Repent of your sin. Acknowledge the sinfulness in your life and place your faith in Christ. Get a new heart. It's free. It's available. Now, I want to talk to believers for a second. Two things for believers. Number one, I encourage you today to guard your heart. I encourage you today to guard your heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Be careful what comes in. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. Guard your heart. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you let into your circle. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you watch. Guard your heart. What does God see right now in your heart? What does he see? Would it honor him, what he sees? I hope so. 
I hope it does. What does God see in you? That's the question I asked myself this week. Again, I, as I said it before, I preached this message to myself before I ever preached it to you. There's things in my life I need to change. And not by my own strength, but by God's help, with his spirit, with his grace. I want to honor God with my life, with my heart. I want to pursue holiness. I want to obey God, not because I have to, but because I want to. I want God to see a pure heart. A heart that he is proud of. What does God see? Guard your heart, believer. Guard your heart. Number two, renew your heart. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Psalm 51, 10. Create in me clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew your heart. Make a commitment today. You're take, it's time to take out the trash. It's time to take out the trash in your heart. Your heart has been transformed. God has given you a new heart. So what? So you can pollute it again? So you can fill it with even with more garbage? I mean, just think about that. Christ died on the cross to give you a new heart so that we can pollute it again? No. No. Renew your heart. Pursue holiness. Search his scripture. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Guard your heart. Renew your heart. As I said last week, it's so much easier to check off the box than to check our heart. Isn't that, isn't that true? So much easier to check off a box. I went to church. I served. I posted really cool posts on my social media. I say the right things. I do the right thing. Check, 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 check. It's easy to do. Anybody can do that. So much more difficult to check here. To check your heart. To search your heart. To ask God to search you. The things that you've been putting away for so long. The things that you've been struggling with for a long time. So much easier to check the box. But here's the thing here at Restoration Church. We don't set the bar low. We set it high. We don't run away from difficult passages. We run towards them. Because we know at the end, it's going to be better for us. It's going to cause us to grow spiritually in our pursuit of God and our holiness. And I want to end with this, church. I often say, I often hear people say, especially people who are not believers, they say, why would I want to be a Christian 
Christianity looks just like the world. I've heard it said, I've actually had it said to me, like, why would I want to go to your church if your church people look just like the world? What's the difference? Why would I go? What if? What if? At Restoration Church, we can change that. What if in this community, Northwest Peoria, we can change that? And they're like, man, there's something different about the people that go at that church. They look nothing. They say they're Christian. They look nothing like the world. I need to check that out. What if? What if? What if your life could impact people from the inside out? What if you can make an eternal difference in people's life because of your holiness, because of your heart? I believe it can, and I believe it will. Let us pray. God, we love you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouraging and joyful passages. And we thank you for the convicting and challenging passages as well. We can't cherry pick your scriptures. We can't decide which ones we like and which ones we don't. We can't just say, hey, I like this one and I want to obey this one, but not the others. God, we thank you for your entire word. And God, I pray today that there's someone in here today who has never truly been regenerated, born again. God, will you draw them to you today, right now? by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you transform their heart from a polluted heart to a pure heart? God, I pray for those of us that are sitting in this room or watching online who think we have a pure heart and we don't. God, I pray that you would help them realize their great need for your grace. God, because only your grace can erase the pollution of our heart. Only your grace can wipe our heart clean. Give us a new heart. God, draw them to you as they repent of their sin and place their faith in you on the work that you did on the cross. Not on us checking off the box. God, and I pray for believers today. May you give them the strength, the wisdom, the power, the power that lives in them through the Holy Spirit to pursue holiness, to pursue obedience, to throw away the garbage in their heart, to remove the pollution in their heart by the power of the Spirit, by your grace. God, create a new spirit 
in us. Renew our spirit. Renew our desire to pursue you with all of our hearts. God, give us the wisdom to guard it. Give us the wisdom to guard our heart, God. The heart that you died for. The heart that you purchased. The heart that you redeemed. May we guard it with everything that we have. God, I pray that Restoration Church would be a church that impacts the world, that impacts the community, that impacts this area. Because it all started with people at Restoration Church that took their heart seriously, that took the condition of their heart seriously. God, encourage us, comfort us, and we live in your grace. May we rest in your grace. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.